Hello, you're listening to Brave New Words. My name is Ed Fortune and I'm here with... I'm Ross. I'm Mikey. I'm Del. And I'm Anne. Uh, we have a lot of us in the book nook today and... Um, Goodness me, uh, welcome back to listening to the show. If you've been away for a while, we have. So, uh, yes, um, we're brought to you with Starverse magazine uh, and also this column called Star, uh, called Brave New Words in Starverse magazine. It's almost a coincidence. I actually write that, so it's not that much of a coincidence. <laughs> we're also here with the lovely wonky spanner people. Uh, never a spanner has been found more wonkier, uh, but all more spannery. Um, and you can also find us on iTunes, which is where you've probably found us, or you might yet find us online. Uh, so, yes, uh, before we start, let's get into a jingle. This, this is Fabrian International. That was a jingle. That was. That was. A lovely I'm, jingle. Very nice. So, um, yes, uh, we before we get into books, we're going to do The Further Station by Ben Aronovich. That's a book. Uh, that's a book. It's a novella, actually. Before we go on yeah, but it looks like a book. It's still a book. It, it's, like, it's like when two books have had a baby and he's not quite grown up yet. It's a baby oh. You mean a, a child? <laughs> yes, that's the one. It's a, it's a novella. It's a baby book. Hmm. Eventually, oh. eventually it's, you write a novella when you've got enough, just enough ideas and don't want to stretch it out too, too thinly. So it's not you, a novel. <laughs> well, it's a category in the Hugo Awards and a few other book prizes. Mm-hmm. Um, and novelettes as well, isn't it? Yes, novelette. I always want. I want there to be a novelette so you can like put ice cream in it. <laughs> you can do that. You can put ice cream in it. Just <laughs> one novelette. You, you just mess up the pages, or it ruins your Kindle. But <laughs> that's not a bad idea. We could, we could probably find an ice cream maker to like print us like a story on the cone, and then like hand those out. We could like. You know, Dublin's only in 2019. Rather than handing out little stickers saying Brave New Words, we could just wander around handing out novelette cones. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the idea of Blackpool 2030 or something when they decide we're going to pass out around a haiku and bake through a stick of rock. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> it's full of ideas today. <laughs> well, Neil Gaiman did a thing on um, some American fast food, and I can't remember which one it is now. But um, it, it's complete. Chipola- I want to say chipolata, but it's not chipolata. Chipotle. Chipotle. Chipotle is a type of sausages. Not very American. <laughs> not very American. Well, well in the Northeast, we used to call them Wee Willy Winkies, which is even ruder. Why, why did you call them that, Ed? We're going to have to edit this, aren't we? No, no, no. No, no, no. Leave it in. Leave it in. Because it had Wee Willy Winky, as in the, the, the uh, version of the Sandman, who's a small mm. child, but yeah. on the packet. So they were marketed as Wee Willy Winky sausages. And you had a picture of a small child holding holding a candle in mm-hmm. bed clothes, and that was clearly named after him. It was like Willy Wonka, but like more meaty, basically. It's like meaty Willy Wonka. <laughs> I don't like this remake. It's, <laughs> 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 it's not true to the book. No. It's the bit where they go into the tunnel. I find it really disturbing. Uh, it's Charlie in the Chippewa. No, that is disturbing. The meat tunnel. No, 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 Back away, back away. Um, if it helps, Ed nearly called them the wan- the wanky spanner as well. So we've we've done really well today. Well, lucky you didn't say that though. <laughs> no, 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 no. no. I, it's they're, they're really good. And Ed versus world is something you should definitely listen to. Um, it's not the best po- po- book podcast in the world because that's, as we all know, tea and jeopardy. Yay! <laughs> but um, yes, so uh, Del, behind your head, yeah, there is a box. There is. 
And before we get into the book, do you want to open the box? I really, really do. Okay. Yay! So this has been sent to us by the nice people from Loot Crate. Ooh. 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 Oh, now I know what it is. This may be terrible radio. <laughs> and it's the no, 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 you're squealing. It's, it's fine. I think that's excellent narration. So it's a black box and on the sides it says powered by Loot Crate. And on the top it says J.K. Rowling's Wizarding World, the spellbinding world of Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts. And then there was a sticker on the front with a little key on it that says Muggleworthy. Which someone has opened. And I'm open. Oh god, I'm so. <laughs> literally, I can't open this box. I'm so excited. Ah! Right. Oh, they've even printed the inside of the box. And that when you open it up, um, the print on the inside is little Hogwarts signs. And then um, there's a lion and a badger and a snake and an eagle. Like, they've really nicely thought this out. And then a big sorting hat, just like the one that Ed is wearing on his head right now. Um, there's a little Gryffindor beanie with a little Gryffindor patch on the front ish. Well, it's the lion. Oh, right, have a look at the things. Mm-hmm. And there's a Hogwarts lanyard. Gryffindor! <laughs> Sorry. Gryffindor! That, that if, if a Gryffindor beanie said that every time you put it on, that would be slightly disturbing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. That, sorry, just no. the beanie. That would never, that would never work. If you put that on my head, it would, it would still just not say Gryffindor. Hold on. Well, it says, so it Gryffindor says Griff all the way around. There. Yeah. Oh my word! The front says Griff. I can't see. <laughs> and turn it round, or, think... or turn round. <laughs> it's for you. And Findor, which is uh, Findor, <laughs> a, a dragon. I you think. don't look <laughs> anyway silly. <laughs> <laughs> you look like you're going to a Quidditch match. It's fine. <laughs> The next packet I pulled out, um, I thought it was a, a Hogwarts lanyard, but it's not. It's a Hogwarts Express lanyard. And on the red side, it's got a picture of the Hogwarts Express train. So we're probably going to lose this to Anne. Um, <laughs> and then the black side says a Hogwarts Express and it's got like platform nine and three quarters inside. And I'm pretty sure that there's an actual little ticket lanyard in here as well. well, and well then a little open it up. Ma- it's Can I open yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> It's my birthday. Oh yeah, it's got a little lanyard with a little platform nine and three quarters ticket on. We're number two hundred and fifty-seven on our ticket, which I'm assuming so is everyone else. Um, <laughs> and then yeah, it's got a proper little medallion on it as well. That's God, this is I, amazing. I'm charmed at the idea of like a small a, a small wizard in training uh, <laughs> going going on to. Um, Going up to the Hogwarts station. Oh, another thing, but I'll get to that in a moment. And then someone just going, right, so you don't get lost. And <laughs> with, their, with their ticket. And then they're being like, I, I'm here. This is me. Neville, I, what you're saying is Neville. this was designed for Neville. <laughs> <laughs> totally, if, you know, me as a child, I, I was always the, the child with the extra two labels and my duffel. <laughs> the, the please look after this bear style kind of. <laughs> Kind of, oh, we're just going to stitch this into your skull because you're going to lose it somehow. And because I, I would go missing and like get kid, kidnapped by clowns, but that's a different story. Um, we need to get some gloves on string. I think you, yeah, yeah, them. yeah. yeah so. But interestingly, uh, the Network Rail Network, yes, has um, has Hogwarts as a station because to get to Hogwarts. 
on the like so on the day that all the kids go to oh, in the, doesn't the, have a station they go to Hogsmeade Hogsmeade has Hogsmeade as a station what what it's set on the system because they put it on in King's Cross <gasps> they, they put it up <gasps> on the day as a kind of little easter egg no that's horrible that would make me so bloody sad every first of september i'm like oh no owl for me again this year then (laughs) oh no that would i would literally start kicking children (laughs) did you hear this is a few weeks ago at time of recording there was a massive amount of fuss at king's cross on september 1st yeah of course there was yeah because it's the the end of the book yes because even though People like to regularly calm me down by trying to explain the reason I never got my letter is because I was born in the set of years of the records that Voldemort destroyed. So that's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's obviously it. And not because it's fictional and I'm a ridiculous human being. <laughs> There's another thing! <laughs> <laughs> another. So, oh, a bag, I think. It's in a bag though. So I think if it is a bag, I have to take it out of this bag. Bag section. Ooh, it's a little Gryffindor holder. Ooh. Ooh. But like a little holder. Like this would be really like it's too big for PE kit, but too small for a weekend away. But it would fit pretty much all of the Harry Potter books. It oh it would fit mm-hmm. all the Harry Potter books. How much PE kit would you need at yeah. Hogwarts? <laughs> you could put oh, the well, your Quidditch well, no, kit. Yeah, because it's wizarding robes, but isn't it? It's still Quidditch, Quidditch robes. I have a Quidditch kit bag and it's bloody massive. My friend, um, my friend Ned, who is a wonderful human being, he worked on the production of um, Order, no, uh, Half Blood Prince. Sorry. Um, so they, for the cast presents, mm. they made them all Ron's Quidditch bag. Right. And then he was very, very sweet because I'm a massive fan. So he gave me his. Um, and when I went to London to see Cursed Child. I made Shane put all of our stuff in the bag so that we could take the Harry Potter bag. He was like, it doesn't have wheels and it's massive. And I was like, I don't care! We're taking the Harry Potter bag! Um, but it's huge. So I think Quidditch kits are obviously quite large. But that... It's got to be, be like a proper um, hockey-style duffel bag. Because mm-hmm. you've, got, you've got your padding. Yeah, and a your lot ropes. of padding. Yeah. Uh, and all Having the rest of your stuff. It's, like, it's going to be huge. That's going to be huge. Yeah. Yeah, but they're special you... sports robes. You they would be, but robes. they live in the school. They, you know, it's not like you've got to travel far with this, and you're going to get dressed in your door and then go. And, and they, surely you can cheat and use magic to get yeah, things to float next to you. They also, do have you, magic. Yeah. Also, <laughs> also you've got a broom. <laughs> but th- this, to me, if you if you had several wands, because this is about the length of, of, of the longest wands, you could put forty or fifty wands in there. Yeah, you could put many wands. If in. you say, for instance, you were taking wands from not a Death Eater. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey's been practicing his Expelliarmus charm. <laughs> um, I don't think there are many pockets inside. But you they don't are need pockets any. for a PE kit. They are. Th- this reminds me actually of the the wee, um, the wee kind of kids sports stuffles. Yeah. Like, the, like you used to get like Nike ones and mm. or Adidas ones. You probably still do. And they're like the bijou size because that's designed. That's the right size for a child. Because any larger. Because I've got duffel bags that are the size of a twelve-year-old. Yeah. Um, what? No, I'm not going to ask. Carry on. <laughs> I am the smuggling twelve Yes, Ed, why do you have a specific one? Is this how Paddington got into the country, really? (laughs) (laughs) They might be big enough for like for PE on rugby day, or 
It's PE on the day you don't need a stick of any sort, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, you don't need a stick, but you need your long sleeve top, you need your shin pads. Ruby would be so much boots. better if you had a stick. <laughs> I was going to say that the bags that I had when I was a kid were a lot larger, but then I realised I was quite a lot smaller when I was a child. So yeah, I, it's, I'm it's not like wagon wheels. It's like wagon wheels. That, but they're smaller now, right? Yeah. You can you can yeah, definitely a... fit the Dungeons and Dragon, Dragons, uh, the D- Advanced Dungeons and Dragons Players Guide and uh, DM's Guide, plus plus your school books, plus the Monster Manual, plus the Fighting Fantasy book, plus some dice. This tells me a lot about you when you were a kid. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> see what the label says. It tells me that you didn't play rugby. Nice <laughs> <laughs> fun. The, li- yeah. the label doesn't say the helpful thing where it's like like sometimes you need in Primark where it's like this is a 90 and you're like thank you um, there's a little sorting hat pin it's really cute actually um, it's just it's not printed it's just a colour and then scratched and engraved so it's got all the definitions and stuff but it's the same as the little sorting hat that's in the box so that's really cute mm. they've clearly like bought that design um, yeah, I like that. That's cute. It's simple. Pins are nice. Everyone loves a good pin, and everyone loves a sorting hat, really. Sorting hat's deadly. I'm right. This is broken because every time I put it on, it says Hufflepuff. Like, <gasps> <laughs> That's fine. There's nothing wrong with being Hufflepuff. <laughs> I think you'll find that we're actually the best house. Mm. Yeah. So. Also bees and badgers. <laughs> bees and badgers, <laughs> and next to the kitchen. <laughs> next to the kitchen. <laughs> The thing is, you have the ki- you have the kitchen not because of like not because we're all fat though I am, um, but it's it's because the kitchen's where you have the best conversations and clearly the Hufflepuff kids are the kids that like you know this is Slytherin and you know they they're not getting the the right sort of like golf drops going on and they're not getting the right sort of moody. You want to sit them down. You don't want to sit them down in the dungeon because no. that's just too depressing. You don't want to sit them down wherever it is the Gryffindors are hiding because they'll get attacked by flying things or adventure or whatever you want a nice sandwich and a cup of tea so that's the Hufflepuff quarter so yeah. that really does make sense constant toast Constant toast. attacked by adventure like seems like the best <laughs> yes. it is hang on if I put this on Aunt's head what happens oh no oh run Ed run <laughs> you can't see her face but I know exactly the expression I, I she has <laughs> I, was, I was assuming it was going to go Ravenclaw Hello. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving swiftly on. Um, there's a t-shirt. It's, uh, oh, it's sleeves are stuck together. That's why I can't open it. Oh no, they're not stuck together. It's just print. Okay, cool. It's print. They're three quarters. Size. Yes. Yes, they are. So it's a grey t-shirt with black sleeves with two little stripes on, three quarter, um, and it's got the Hogwarts crest on it, and it's got the logo at the bottom. Uh, the logo. The um, What's it called? The thing? Motto. motto. The motto at the bottom. Um, nicely, appropriately coloured, but there's kind of red throughout, so Gryffindor doesn't have a red square. But it's got the gold lion, so that's still that's still okay. And they've been very safe because they've just put a blue eagle into Ravenclaw, so they've avoided the debacle of whether it should be bronze or silver, depending on if you are a book or a film fan. Um so yeah, oh. well done, nicely sidestepped there. Uh, I'm going to pass this around as well. It's mm-hmm. nice material actually. Oh, that's lovely. It's isn't light, it? and there's a there's a there's a little box. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, I, I think it's. A, is it an empty box? No. Is it what I think it is? Oh, 
oh it's a little scroll i'm going to try and very carefully unpeel this sticker this is great radio sorry everyone oh i did it the scroll, the scroll, scroll it from what i can yeah. see it's got the same print as the inside of the box as well but like mm -hmm. a colored version so the snake is green and the eagle's blue and the badger's yellow and the lion is red that's nice Oh, it's just a list about what the loot is. It just says, right, to answer our question about the bag, it just says Hogwarts house duffel bag. And, and for some reason, Luke Critter Crit decided that the show itself, because that was addressed to the show, is a Gryffindor. Yeah, to that be fair, sense. we've received a lot of Gryffindor things. I mean, I mean, oh, interesting. Yeah, good point. Because it just says that the box is the Hogwarts house pride box. So bravery, wisdom, ambition, loyalty. So we've been sent a Gryffindor box. They must have been boxes for different houses. Cool. I wonder Ooh. if they know what house you are, because I think I'd be upset if I got sent a Gryffindor you, box. You define when you order. Box. You define. Oh, okay, cool. But I think because because we are mostly Hufflepuffs. And mm. Ravenclaws. I've never yeah. done the thing. <gasps> put the hat on again. Yeah, put the hat on it, and then. <laughs> so the hat is wearing the T-shirt and the Gryffindor cap at the minute. See, if I put the, the large cardboard wolf's head on someone's head, that just makes them house stark, surely. Yeah. How much of the sorting hat conversation did everybody else hear when you were wearing the hat? Yeah, that's how they I'm don't. The, if it's the, a conversation the hat is having with you, you are the only person that can hear it because they're important and private conversations. With the exception of the 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 school the year song the year poem thing that it did, yeah, well, it, and it, when, which actual house it, you sorted you into. When it shouts the house out, that's to everybody, and the song is to everybody. But if you're having a conversation to help you decide what house you should be in, hmm. that's just between the two of you. But the books also say don't trust a thing that if you can't see its brain, then you can't see the brain yep. in the hat. Well, Arthur says that. But, hmm. see, Are I, you I, suggesting that the sorting hat is a Horcrux? Well, I, I'm more suggesting that as soon as you, someone puts a hat on your head, what I would do is I'd be like, oh, disembodied intelligence. Huh. Are you familiar with the concept of a chewing test? At which point, <laughs> at which point it would sort me into Raven Claw. <laughs> or it would just be like, get out. <laughs> well, you're, you're going to be homeschooled this year. <laughs> Not having your sort in this place. That was a really fun little experience. I think and I think I'd enjoy opening that like even if it was for me I'd enjoy opening that if it was like for a family I'd enjoy opening it with my kids I think my favourite bit is the lanyard and ticket personally I thought it was really cute mm. I like the sorting hat one sorry I'm the still thinking pain. about the sorting hat I'm just thinking even you you okay you get out of Hogwarts and then you go to start work at the, say the Ministry of Magic so they put another hat on you say administration <laughs> bureaucracy <laughs> Do the hats make all decisions? Everywhere? Yeah. <laughs> this is like entire bureaucracy of hats. <laughs> well, yeah, is, I like that. Are hats unique? Is the sorting hat unique? I mean, does every wizarding school have one? It is... doesn't actually go into in the books. I don't know if it does on Pottermore, but the books don't actually tell you how. They don't tell you if the other schools have houses. Hmm. So. I mean, know. well, you've got to have a certain level of you know owl levels before you can continue into doing your to do you know is there other is is there a wizarding six form where you get another hat and go. Well, well, not I even. Do you do any not even mm. like that. I mean, say for instance, if you're learning how to do uh, Quidditch, do they sort you into teams with a little sorting cap or something like that? Do, does everything yeah, that needs a, a, a Yeah, maybe there's a Quidditch one. You beater. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Quidditch sorting hat. You've got the sports hat variety, and you've got the regular 
You're all being no, very silly. Assuming you're not <laughs> Harry Potter, then you probably have to do a little bit of practice at Quidditch before you get onto the teams. Yeah. So there will be points where you just have games just for the sake of games. You so do, there's going to be ways of sorting you into... You do tryouts. It's half smells for me. <laughs> I should put out that's not the beanie that comes with the loot crate. That's no. that's the that's the uh, sorting hat that lives in the 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 book nook, which hasn't said anything in some time. I suspect it might in fact be you know traumatized. <laughs> <laughs> I'm desperately trying to pack this and stuff. Would you like to change hats? I'm, I'm not I can't tell well. based on Anne's facial expression. I think she might be licking it. <laughs> we have we have Maybe. essentially three hats going. It's brilliant radio. We have three hats going. <laughs> we, we we have. A, a large floppy felt wizard hat, which looks like a sorting hat. We have the Hogwarts Gryffindor beanie, uh, and we also have the Carlton Books cardboard Stark House mask, which yeah, appears to be just being worn as a hat. Um, I'm sure that's not what you're supposed to do with it. Are you supposed no, to no, no, like, no, there's no, like no. a lot of man hours in that hat because, like, I started reading the instructions for the other ones, and like the first page was just like. Advanced level IKEA. It's very much advanced Ooh. origami. Uh, yes. Sorry, I'm going to make some rattly noises while I put the duffel bag back in its little bag. That 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 that. Also, that the thing's the lanyard. That's fine. It's excellent video. Um, I've done it. I've done it. There we are. No, where did the lanyard go? I'm going to put this in Ross's head. It's fine. Uh, yeah. Just squash its ears. I'm going to put it back on its neck. I'm going to give that to you because you're about to tap into it. It's got a little podiumy thing. There we go. I think if you're gonna do, if you're gonna do something like this, and you're gonna make Harry Potter merchandise and memorabilia, you have to be aware that you're not just selling it to people who are like, oh yeah, it's alright. Like it has to have heart, it has to have soul, and people keep things forever. There's a lot mm. of love in Harry Potter, and the products you create have to reflect that. Shall we talking of wizards? Wizards! So we're talking about uh, PC Peter Grant. Yes. So um, we've talked about the Rivers of London books on the show before. Um, and the thing with uh, the Rivers of London books is so they're set in the real world, well, the modern day sort of thing, not really the real world because there's wizards of a certain sort, he said carefully, and we get set up by down. Um, yeah. in, in this world, uh, essentially, magic is a thing. Anyone can learn magic in the same way that anyone can learn saxophone. Right. Um, the thing about learning magic is is that magic reaches the parts of your brain that other skills can't reach, which you think sounds amazing. It's like, oh, I'll open up my perceptions. And No, what that does is because you're funneling enough power to throw fireballs across the room through your brain, uh, it means that you're quite likely to die young of brain lesions. Right. Oh. Because you, if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to hurt yourself. In the same way that if you don't know how to do martial arts properly and no one's taught you how to warm up, you're going to hurt yourself. Yes, right. If you try and punch your fist through a brick wall, it turns out you can't do it. Yeah, if, you, if no one's taught you the technique and yeah. how to do it and how to look after yourself safely, then as soon as you try and chop some wooden boards, you're going to break your fingers. Mm -hmm. uh, if no one has taught you how to channel uh, energies in such a way to you know light up a room then again you're going to hurt the, the organs that you're using yeah. to, to make that happen such, such as you're, you're, so one of the recurring themes is that magic is really dangerous mm -hmm. 
So, uh, in the first Rivers of London book, PC without spoiling the entire scene, PC Peter Grant finds himself in a situation where he encounters the supernatural, and he is not quick enough, or he's too honest, to shuffle away and to avoid things. Uh, I'm just going to pause the show for a moment. So, so basically, he finds himself uh, involved in being a police officer who also understands magic. And the thing is, of course, is that all other police officers are like, oh, this is your problem now, shove. Uh, and there is a thing called the Folly. Uh, the Folly is a department of the police, or the Metropolitan Police. Um, there is a there is a, a lovely, lovely older man who is has been around for a while. He's pretty much our Archmage Gandalf-style character, Nightingale, uh, who spends his time... You know, he, he has... He has a, he has a, a place called the Folly. It's it's in Greater London. You, you can travel to it. It's it's got its own maid. The maid's a ghost, but you know that doesn't really matter. And there's archives and archives and archives of stuff. And the reason there's archives and archives and stuff is because before the Second World War, there were loads of wizards, and then the wizards decided to do something about the Second World War, and then there were less wizards. Mm -hmm. And also, magic is really dangerous. Mm. So Peter Grant is like the first of a new generation. Um, of of people um, who are who is essentially he's kind of enforcing the law because there's no one else who will do the job. Um, the plot of the Furthest Station is firstly the Furthest Station is a novella and it sits kind of to the left of the rest of the series. The series has the format of the books is it's a police procedural story, so there is a mystery. Mm -hmm. Then there is an art plot which is that run through all the books where various characters get up to certain things and there's like there's villains and there's bad guys and there's maybe he's a serial killer maybe he's a master criminal maybe he's in charge of all these occult related crimes and there's like a kingpin and this sort of thing and that's part of the the, the broader series uh, and there's other stuff there's recurring characters and this sort of thing and the folly grows in influence and ability and there's a great bit where they actually end up um because PC Peter Grant sits down and goes through the rules of the Metropolitan Police, he's like, "Well, we need a we need a, a, a designation." So it's like in the same way that the police will say, "Well, it's a this problem, this code word problem, or that code word problem." They get a code word. It's a falcon. It's a falcon problem. So the police can go, "I think it's a falcon problem." Send <laughs> someone else. And every once in a while, in the in the ongoing series, uh, when the police are like, "We have no idea. We're going to send everyone." He'll turn up and go, "I hope it's not me." Yeah. <laughs> I hope it's not one of mine. It's like no, it's, it's domestic terrorism. Oh well, that's awful, but it's not me. Brilliant, uh, and off he toddles. Um, the further station, as I say, is to it's it's not necessary to read it to enjoy. If you're collecting the books, you don't need it. Um, on the other hand, you'll probably enjoy it because it's got it's got a little bit more character exposition for characters who join in. There's essentially a new apprentice turning up. Um, and you get a little bit more about her and a little bit more about her kind of personality and that, that moment of them going well we, she's too young to teach magic if we don't teach her magic she's going to blow her head off right then mm -hmm. it's like we're going to have to talk to her parents <coughs> we can talk to her parents we have to be careful how we talk to her parents because the conversation will have to be you have to let her do this because it's too dangerous to not let her do it that sort of thing um, so getting on to the story itself it's Novellas, like a short story, is a is a story where there is one idea. Yeah. A novel is a story is a story where there are a series of different ideas that interleave into each other. 
but more, mostly there's one big idea and lots of little ideas. Mm-hmm. A novella is a is pre- pretty much a book which contains an idea that's not quite big enough to be a book, and normally one or two other little ideas. Right. In this, it takes a really essentially the story opens, uh, and a ghost turns up on the underground, and it's not their usual sort of ghost. Okay. And it causes a bit of a fuck off because people are on the tube and they're like, huh. and it's a great moment where someone reports a ghost and appears human to humans, so they just forget shortly after after seeing the ghost. So he's in the middle of interviewing someone and they're like, "Sorry, why are you talking to me?" And he's like, "Oh." Yeah. Um. At the same time, it, it it slowly surely unveils that there is something darker going on, mm-hmm. and that there is a that there is a darker story happening like underlying the whole world uh the whole the whole story and it's a very london story if you've ever spent any time reading the evening standard or you know susie lamplew's story or that sort of tale that sort of kind of very london people go missing people die and aren't heard from for a very long time sort of police horror story mm-hmm. um that is part of it and the way Ben Aranovich presents it it feels very London it feels like mm-hmm. very you know, you know horrible things happen all over the world all the time but just the way it's written and the way it's presented and the the kind of the the, the plot you sit there and you go this could come from the pages of the Evening Standard this could come mm-hmm. from the you know this 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 is a, a crime watch special style story um, so are you saying that this is a darker tale than the rest of the books in the series then or is it um because it's short short mm-hmm. it feels darker right because there's nothing around it because there's it's nothing no, yeah there's nothing to buffer it so it feels darker uh and there's there's less there's less action okay as well like it, typically in like certainly in the later books there's a bit of proper wizardry fracar going mm. on Whereas this, it's mostly proper police work. Okay. Uh, and and also glorious police sarcasm as well. Because <laughs> the, the fundamental thing you've got to remember about uh, PC Grant is he's a police constable. Mm. I mean, he's a police constable with special privileges and special ranks and special duties. But he's still, you know, he, he's still liking the movie Hot Fuzz. He's still going to get assigned to stand in the rain every once in a while. Yeah. Um, there is a wonderful bit where another police officer is like what are you doing and he's like police work he's like is that a police dog and it's it's Toby who's this like this this fluffy pet dog kind of you know mongrelly thing and he's like yes (laughs) sort of yeah Yeah. don't look at him (laughs) so you're saying like if you if you have the others you don't need this but if it's quite character development based would you say maybe that if you haven't read them this isn't for you i'm on page six and i've never read any of these before and i've got quite a decent sense of who the characters are already okay cool i I would say no i would take like the opposite this is a book that i because we've got all i've got all the mothers of london books on my shelf yeah i would quite cheerfully just go no read this you know if someone says oh i don't have time to read an entire series well well this is only twenty thousand words it'll be fine Mm. first one's free uh that (laughs) sort of you know it's it's short enough yeah in the same way that um the charlie strauss short story equoid which is on the tall website Mm -hmm. 
um, got me into the laundry novels. By the by, <laughs> Equoid is not a fun story. Just, just a warning. Um, <laughs> if you sit there and go, oh, what's that about? It's, it's about unicorns. It's not... No. Um, <laughs> eek. Um, okay. Yeah, it's not as dark as Equoid. Oh, God, no. Um, I'm intrigued by you saying, though, that it feels darker than the others because even just Rivers of London itself, the first one, there are some properly harrowing moments in that. Um, and almost... Because I think we, uh, we, not necessarily in totality, but I do think to an extent now we do associate dark stories. There's a lot of grim dark now that kind of comes into that. Um, and I think Rivers of London, there are some properly just heartbreaking bits that were disgusting and horrible, but were more sad than they were gross. Um, and there was some proper, proper darkness in that alone. Um, I can't say what they are without hugely spoiling it's loads. It's a police procedural. Exactly. It's, it's, they're cop stories. Exactly. And there's so many bits that are, you can tell, are genuine. Just they are, they are police stories. Take them out of fantasy. And this story would still be here. And that is why it's dark and that is why it's horrible because there's actually a huge amount of realism that's what we get with the further station okay um and I, as you put it because there isn't the buffer of you know a bar full of fairy beings or you know a story about a jazz singing vampire or mm. or what have you because there isn't that fantasy there is it's in there but it's there's not enough of it to fill a book there's enough of it to fill a novella. Yeah. So it's very colourful and it's very character filled and it's very interesting and it makes me chuckle. But the core story is still a true crime detective style tale. Okay. So you still find yourself going a bit. Um, mm. um, but yeah, I like that. I, I like the world building. So is this a, a gateway to the other novels then? Could, yes. Would, would, would you recommend for somebody who hasn't read them to read this one to see if I liked it, for example? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a proper sampler, as mm -hmm. far as I'm concerned. Um, I know it came out, bef it's been out this year in not the format that we have it in, in the book note, um, because that's like the mass production version. There's a subterranean press, press version, which is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. um, I like these covers, though. I like this yeah. as well. And this one's got a map. They've all got maps, haven't <laughs> they? That one's got tubes in it. Ooh. Um, <laughs> We've a, lost her, she's gone now. <laughs> there's, a, there's a character in the Constantine comic book, mm -hmm. the Halbaya's comic book, who uh, is this tube shaman called Map. Aww. Alright. Um, so like, he's called Map, that's his name. But, uh, but his, his, his kind of realm of magic his kind of skill is the London Underground which is not a political movement apparently mm -hmm. but then yeah I'm quite it sounds good I'd I'd go for it, it, it it's interesting because it's like I prefer Ben Aranovich's because there's the somewhere on that shelf over there we've got the Shadow London um 
Shadow London Paul Canal stuff, which is again London based police procedural magic. And a lot of urban fantasy from the United Kingdom is set in London. And that normally really annoys me. Yeah. Um, but I'm fine when it's the Metropolitan Police because it's the Metropolitan Police. And you want, like, you know, if you're going to do a police mm-hmm. story that's supernatural, then uh, unless you're going for a very specific story, you're not going to set it in Cornwall. I mean, you could. Yeah, there's going to be a reason to be there, isn't there? Yeah, it, it's not going to quite work as well. And yeah. There's not enough. There's not enough pasty stealing to go to, to film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, there is. Oh, it's rife. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, but a bit of variety where they set it in the middle of Manchester or Liverpool or something yeah. would be nice, rather than London specifically. I, I would like to see more urban fantasy set in Manchester. Hmm. And I suspect we'll slowly surely start to get yeah. more urban fantasy set in Manchester. I think. I think Sorry, I, was saying, I think sometimes it can almost come off as niche um, to set things in a place that is unexpected. I think it has to be justified. Um, like, for example, um, AS Chambers, all the Sams, oh, I'm not going to say this right now, Spellucci. Spellucci, mm. I think sounds Spellucci. I think, yeah, that's all based in Lancaster, isn't it? And like Lancaster becomes the backdrop. Um, and I, but I think to an extent, some people are like, well, I don't know Lancaster, why? So I'll just leave this one. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, that's that. What? That's why you should be I reading just, it, yeah, really. There's really, because of the story. Like, I do, don't get me wrong, I do think when, when you have a city as a backdrop and it becomes a backdrop to a series, um, oh, yeah, I'm going to say it. Sometimes the city becomes almost a character in itself. Which is fine. Um, <laughs> but I do, sometimes I think that the city makes why that story is there. And there should be more urban fantasy set elsewhere, but the difficult, I think I can see why some people wouldn't want to, because it can lend itself to a particular audience. To an international audience, really. You know what London looks like. You, yes. You'll you see a, a film and, oh look, there's the London Eye, we're in London. Yeah. But that's not gonna happen. They'd have to put their big title at the bottom that said Manchester, because you never know what Manchester looked like. It, Football they, team. Yeah, exactly, oh, that, that's it. <laughs> That's it, really. There's, there's not a. <clears throat> I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot to it. So it's, a, it's a, a very involved and culturally uh, important city, but to an international audience, maybe they wouldn't know that. So the Dresden novels, the, the Harry Dresden books, are set in Chicago, mm-hmm. and unsurprisingly, there's you know ghosts of mobsters, mm-hmm. because your brain just goes Chicago, pizzas and crime lords. I was about to say pizza. <laughs> pizza, crime lords, hot dogs. Looking at it from a. Oh, the yeah, they <laughs> looking at it from the other side of things though um, I learnt a lot about Chicago by reading the Dresden Files which I didn't know anything about it so people may come to a, mm. a book of a city they're not aware of and learn something about the city themselves so. I, I do like a world where you can pull out a map it's one of the things I liked about mm-hmm. the, the Atmore Pop books yes. is the fact that you know that you can get out the shades this way mm-hmm. and then you can get to the mended you know the route to the mended drum yeah and you know the shortcut, which is dangerous. Mm-hmm. And you know the long way around, which takes you past the university. And you know where the university is as well, even if you can't see it. And you know, yeah. you, you know, you know, you, you kind of know where the patrician's house is. Yeah. And I am the least directioned person in the world. Yes, you are. I, I you know, I get lost in our own library, uh, as as regular listeners to the show will be aware. But you know, still. Um, 
a well a well created world can do that but it's just mm. so much easier just to say London tube line this you know you can just move people around quite easily there are a lot yeah. of tropes for London and, and they they, yeah. they work people can, can imagine something that they, they, they've seen again and again and again so much easier and it, I think everyone knows what London means to them so it automatically brings an emotion to an idea even people who've never been to London and live thousands and thousands of miles away will know what London signifies to them. And so. there's also that thing, and again, you can do it with Manchester and people do, but more more so of London. London's such an old city. Mm-hmm. You can just sit there and go, here is a, here is a, a record of a woman who is drowning children rather than looking after them. She, she lived from this time to this time. This is where in the time she lived, she was a real person. It was 200 years ago, I can write a horror story about it. Or I can write a ghost story about it. Or I can use that as inspiration for my, my crime detective modern day novel, but name it after her. And it's like, can't do that as easily anywhere else because London has so many stories. Mm-hmm. It's the same with New York. I kind of, I get why DC Comics did the this is Gotham and this is Metropolis and like they kind of split it up and didn't give them real world names I also get why Marvel just went no (laughs) if you're going to call it New York call it New York yeah yeah and And then you're going to divvy it up because Spider-Man's from Queens and Daredevil's from Hell's Kitchen and these are actual and Luke Cage was Harlem and they they actually properly you know you can imagine looking up and thinking this you know Spider-Man's going back to go overhead Doctor Strange's house is on the way for Stan Lee going into the timely offices. Like he would walk past that brownstone building. Right. So he would every time he'd walk, and at one point Doctor Strange fights the Triborer, which is part of the tube system. Um, the Triborer monster. Phoning it in a bit there that day, <laughs> there, Stan. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like you can kind of and it. But it gives it a consistent world and a consistent feel. And also, if you're going to create a world, you know, New Yorkers have a certain character hmm. of indifference. And there's, I've mentioned this before on the show, there's a great bit in, um, I think it's Alias, the Jessica Jones, where they're sitting eating a sandwich and Iron Man flies past. And they're just like, quarter past nine every day. Yep. <laughs> Regular squat. He's like, clear, it's just Tony Stark going to work. Yeah. <laughs> Late. Late. <laughs> but I think. One of the things with, if you are bringing in an idea of a city to a place, is that a city, depending on the sort of story that you're creating, makes something feasible or infeasible. So Manchester has a lot of history, and yes, there's a couple of medieval buildings, but technically Manchester is quite new Mm -hmm. for a city. Most cities in America are quite new in the grand scheme of how cities work if you want a story with some form of ancient basis you can feasibly and believably have that set in london because london has had an international history for over a thousand years um so you can take these ancient ideas and you can set them there and it it's feasible whereas you can't you can't do that with american based stories so anything any magic that you take to america unless you base it in a more kind of native american storyline you automatically get that sense of this magic has been brought here Mm -hmm. american gods 
yeah, super yeah. American gods. But I think like even things like Dresden and stuff, you've got it. Th- th- there is they're not saying like, oh, there's this ancient thing that happened here and this has created magic. Like people had magic, people went to Chicago. Um, but yeah, I think you you've got that if you try to create an idea of an ancient well of magic stories in an american city you lose that believability they sort of do that with the dc comics with with arkham um with with gotham and they have arkham asylum and these these whole legacies Mm -hmm. but then the story becomes about that it's the thing it's not background It, it, it literally the story is just about that one thing um, shall we talk to a lovely author? A lovely author. Lovely author. <laughs> right. Um, RJ Barker, welcome to Brave New Words. Um, hello, Ed. I'm, I'm glad to be here with you. So, um, tell us about your book. It's it's Age of Assassins, and it, it's about a, a 15-year-old boy called Girton, who is a, a very capable assassin when we meet him, but he's probably not, not had that much to do with people. And he's captured along with his master, Meryl Khan, who's one of the best assassins. And um, they're forced to solve a murder that's going to happen on pain of death. It's kind of, it's a very whodunit set in a fantasy world. And how would you describe it to an elderly relative? Um, Stabatha Christie. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's my favourite one. But... Um, it does have a proper Agatha Christie style denouement at the end, which is something. It's the reason I wrote it because I love stuff like that. But yeah, it's it's a it's a crime novel in a fantasy world with magic. Why are we so obsessed with assassins? Is it Robin Hobb's fault, or is there more to it than that? I'd, I've no idea. It it was. I'm not a person that gives a great deal of thought to things. I tend to just do things, and. And the, the idea of... Uh, I've been reading a lot of history, um, and, and the, the political assassin is quite an interesting figure, and I'm kind... I can only speak for myself, really. I'm interested in the people behind the, the big stories. Like, if you have King Arthur, I'm interested in the people who you might not read about in the background. And that was the, the beginning idea for him. And then he... I purely made him assass- an assassin because it gave him an excuse to be sneaking into a castle, really. So, why a fantasy setting? Why decide to put your your murderer and your your literally your murder and your mystery in a fantasy world? Um, it it was a couple of reasons. the 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 first one being I wanted to write something that had creatures with big antlers in it. Um, and historically, if I come for a sort of historical setting that they'd never rode around on creatures with big antlers on it which is a problem for me because I really like antlers um, as anyone who has followed me on Twitter will have noticed my love of antlers um, and, and also I, I like I like the the chance to use my imagination and sort of stretch things out a bit past past what actually was the history is fascinating and also I, I love history but it, it's a bottomless pit and I'm very easily distracted so if I was writing something historic, I would never write anything. I would just read about it all the time. So to sort of step to one side and do fantasy. And also, I, I just I really like that. A lot of my early earliest influences are stuff like um, Robin Hobb, who you mentioned, Assassin's Apprentice, and um, 
Tolkien, um, Stephen Co- Stephen Donaldson as well is a, a big big thing, and and a lot of 2008. I'm rereading The Horned God by Slain, and I'm surprised not by Slain by Pat Mills. Slain <laughs> the Horned God. Um, I can see I can see I'm, Pat Mills as Slain, but there you go. Yeah, Pat Mills is saying that's, that's a much better way of putting it. Um, I'm surprised by how much of the stuff in there must have stuck in my head, because I read it about 15, 14, and, um, and it's clearly stuck in my head, because some of it I've used, um, and, and it's really weird to sort of see that when I'm reading it back and thinking, oh, I, I know where that came from now. So I, I'm, I'm not against ripping things off. I quite like it, especially when I know when I've done it from. Well, you know, it's remixing, which is, you know, the, the art of, the art, of yeah. art, really. Um, of all your characters, um, which was the most fun to write? The the most fun to write is is Gern, um, who's who's the lead character because he's quite he's he's very knowing in that he's he's very schooled and he's very skilled in, in what he does, um, but when it comes to sort of social interaction with his peers, he he doesn't really understand that, and, and he he's put in a position where he could kill everybody he's better than everybody but he's not allowed to be and he's quite he's quite sarcastic about it and there's a real very few people have mentioned the humor in it but i think it's quite a funny book uh, but the, the humor all comes from him he's, he's quite a, an amusing character he's quite sarcastic in his own little little is uh, ironic is probably a better word because he, he knows who he is to some degree and of all the various characters which one would you not invite to tea um, there's a the the person who's going to be killed, Prince Adol. It is he's just awful. He's deeply unpleasant, and a a brat with terrible breath, and that, that you wouldn't want to sit opposite him at a tea table. And he has no manners and no idea how to conduct himself, so it definitely wouldn't be welcome for tea around here. He'd probably eat with his mouth open, and that drives me mental. What's next? Um. I've finished King of Assassins, which is the third book in the series, and that's with my editor at the moment, so that'll be um, edited down, hopefully, if, if Jenny likes it. Fingers crossed that she does. And I've just been doing um, a proposal for a new series um, of fantasy books in a completely different world, which um, one of my pet obsessions is crime, and the other one is big ships. So I'd quite like to do something with big ships next, which is weird because people keep saying, oh, Robin Hobb she did ships but it's quite different from from her ships getting on to the crime um what is it about crime that fascinates us what is it about is is it true that uh, murder mysteries are the other side of horror or is there more to it than that no i, I think i think for me the attraction in in crime for me is that it, it's somebody doing good even when when you've got the proper anti-hero that they're, they're still aiming at doing something good, taking somebody bad off the streets. So with, with Girton, he's he's a murderer basically for for his day job. That's that's what he does. But he, he's there to to stop a killing, and, and and I like that in crime. I like that. I'm not I'm not not a big fan of amorality in, in fiction because you I get that in the real world. So I kind of I like in crime that there's a sense of hope to it, even the most hopeless seeming. There is that that sort of drive to do the right thing it to some degree and I, I like that to sort of get the bad people out of here Are we finally starting to see a push against grim dark fiction in fantasy? 
I don't know because I don't. I've not read enough modern fantasy t- to say that. I know that grim dark fiction is not not to my taste, which isn't the same as saying it's bad. Um, and, and I think grim dark it's kind of a catch-all, isn't it? it? Maybe 20 years ago, it would just have been called dark fantasy, and and um, so I can't I can't answer that in any any sensible way. But I know for me, I I want some level of hope out of a book when I read it. Otherwise, it's not not really ringing my bell head <laughs> if you got to play in someone else's sandpit right in someone else's world what world would that be oh anything anything oh this is really hard um can, can i wax lyrical for a bit absolutely before i give you my final answer I'd, I'd qu- I quite like the um. I've just I don't like Grimdark, but I'd quite like to play in the Warhammer 40k world. I think it's just mad, De- delightfully over the top and and and. But but I know that in reality I wouldn't because there's lots of rules to doing something like that, and and I'm not really good at being told what to do. Um, and I'd love to write something for 2000 AD. Judge Dread or Nemesis the Warlock, which um, Nemesis the Warlock. I love Nemesis the Warlock, but I'd love to write a Judge Dread. That I think that would be because there's a real sort of opportunity for mischief in Judge Dread, which I like. He can be a bit naughty, but in the end, uh, it will be Watership Down because I always come. I, come, I love Watership Down with a passion. Would you be tempted to write uh, a fantasy novel where the main characters are animals? Yes, if if I thought I could do a, a good job of it, but um, we did a, a thing last week at um, Waterstones, and Adrian Tchaikovsky was reading from his new thing, which is a science fiction novel where the, the, the um, main characters are animals, and I kind of think it's going to be brilliant, so I'd kind of step away from it at the moment and just say, let Adrian get on with it, because it, it's, it's going to be fantastic. I think it's called Dogs of War. I think. I think I think it is yes. Um, yeah. So, on that subject, are there various books that you would that you wish you'd written uh, yourself, and also are there books that had you written, they would be so different? Um, I, I, I wish I'd oh gosh, I wish I'd written HMS Surprise by Patrick O'Brien, um, just because it is it's beautiful, or any of Ian Banks stuff, um. Ian M. Banks, because um, it is, I think for me that the culture world is just so so full of hope of what what we could be and and possibility and and I, and I love that about it. Um, maybe or maybe I should have chosen that for my my place to go and play the culture. Oh no, this is I'm, I'm backtracking it. Um, <laughs> and books that books that will be di- I'm not really good at one subject at a time. Um, books that will be different. Um, I, th- I think anything I, I did would be different because I'm, I'm an inveterate tinkerer. I like to change stuff. Um, and, and nothing is perfect. Like, if anybody did mine, I'm sure they, they would find the, the imperfections, is it, and go take different things. Um, oh, what would I like to... Um, I can't think of anything. I kind of... I don't think I would want to mess with somebody else's thing because it's theirs. 
in, in the end, really. I think I'd feel a bit bad. Why do you think uh, fantasy and science fiction are so popular right now? I have no idea. I, I do wonder if a, a big part of the reason it's so popular is that people who maybe at school wouldn't have, would not have gone near a fantasy book and would have beaten you up for liking Tolkien would have played um, fantasy games on the games console and I think there's been a lot of bleed through from that of people that that see it in a different way now to how it would have been seen when I was growing up and when they just threw you in a bush at my school if, if you read Tolkien um, and now I think it's got it's kind of it's kind of seen as quite cool you've got Game of Thrones and things like that but I think it is part of its genesis is in computer games and that because they just exploded and everybody games now more or less that, that I, apart from my mum she's not a big fan um, if you could rescue one piece of art and by art I mean it can be video games it can be books it can be music it can be anything and that one thing will survive until the sun dies what would it be? Oh, th that's not an easy question, Ed. Oh, that's a monstrous question. Um, oh, oh man. Oh, I need warning for some. Oh, there's so much art and music. Um, one piece of art. Oh, People. I'm, I'm going to go off piece here. We, we have a thing called um, the cuckold. Um, we call it Ambrose and it, it, it's a lamp made out of a doll that has antlers and I would save Ambrose because it it, it just it, it, it divides everybody that sees it, people either go that's amazing or they just want me to cover it with a bag and I think I think art should do that to some degree um, and, and it it amuses the impish side of me to think in 20,000 years there would be people sat around very importantly going, yes, yeah, there's a doll with antlers. This is a very important thing. But when, when maybe it, it's it's not, I think it is. But I'm not sure everyone would agree. But I would save Ambrose or the cuckold to give it its proper name. Um, I'll put a picture of him on Twitter at some point so you can see him. He loved and loads in equal measure. If you met the 16-year-old version of yourself and you only had a very brief amount of time, very brief amount of time, literally literally a handful of seconds to, to impart one piece of advice before the winds of time whisk you away, what would it be? Oh, I wouldn't bother, I wouldn't listen. 16-year-old me, I'd just be like, it's this old bloke, piss off. I'm, I'm going to listen to some metal. That would have been 16-year-old me. There would have been... Abs maybe... Um, I would have said wear more makeup. I think that might have been been the the tip I gave myself at sixteen. Because because I would say you're much prettier if you're wearing makeup, uh, and I could have done with discovering that maybe two years earlier than I did. Apart from writing. Oh no no! I'd say don't be a musician. You rubbish at it. <laughs> Apart from writing, what is the most fun you can have? Um, no, do I have to stay P PG thirteen? I imagine. Um, I do like video games, but I probably prefer sleeping. 
sleeping. I love to sleep. In fact, not just sleep, that sort of um, moment when, when you're not quite asleep, but you're not quite awake and you're kind of half drifting between a dream and, and, and reality and it's warm, that, that's the most fun. Because that's kind of where stories come from, that sort of dream time where you're half controlling it. Lucid dreaming, for the northern strictest sense. Some silly either or questions just to finish, if you don't mind. Okay, I like S- silly. Simpsons or Futurama? Futurama. Star Wars, Star Trek, or Stargate? Oh, now, when, when I was little, I was taken to see Star Wars by my friend's dad, but he got confused and he took me to see Star Trek 1. Um, which isn't the sort of thing you want to see when you're nine, because it's incredibly dull for a nine-year-old. And, and and because of that, I kind of have a, a bit of a thing against Star Trek, so I'd have to go for Star Wars. Um, partly because if I didn't choose that, my little my boy who was seven would probably beat me up as well. I'm a very big fan. Doctor Who or Doctor No? Oh, do- oh, oh. Doctor Who, I think. Again, I'd be in trouble with with the boy if I didn't choose Doctor Who. Dragons or starships? Starships. Macbeth or Othello? Macbeth, I think. It has witches in it. I like witches. Dungeons and Dragons or Monopoly? I've never played Dungeons and Dragons, ever. Um... But I love Monopoly with a, a unique passion. So it would be Dungeons and Dragons, even though I might be setting myself up for a fall and I might, I might end up hitting him more than I hate Monopoly. But I don't think that's actually possible. <laughs> and finally, a truth or beauty? Beauty? I'm very shy. I never tell the truth. Truth's usually really boring. I'll always go with something more interesting but made up. So beauty, all the time. RJ Barker, thank you very much for coming on the show. That's been fantastic fun, Ed. And if you want me back, I'll be glad to come and do it. Hopefully next time we watch. They were lovely. Oh, very nice. They were so lovely. Lovely. Um, I think we've, we've run out of show. I haven't even mentioned that, because I was going to mention the, the Paul Canal Shadow Policeman stuff, and the fact that Neil Gaiman is a character in there. Not, <laughs> not a comic. He's a character. He got Neil's permission, and he turns up. It says, it says like hello I'm, I'm really not comfortable with being here and then leaves <laughs> and then she's like you know he turns up as part of their investigation but um, yes um, we should go so uh, you can please like subscribe share uh, we are on social media as at Radio Bookworm uh, you can find us on the uh, Starburst website as well which is all lovely uh, and you can find us on Facebook under the Super Secret Book Club as well uh, if you need to stop for directions just tweet us or you can send me an email at uh, ed. ed.fortune at starburstmagazine.com um, put something in the header like radio bookworm so I don't assume that you're you know some random person uh, I get lots of weird emails um, <laughs> anyway it's bye for me and it's goodbye for me and me and me so I know bye, bye. bye.